Hello from the Mystery School in Los Angeles. It's Michael Benner, your host. Today is July 21st of 2013, and we're live at our new time, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. in the East, 17 hours universal. The premium training will follow live in 30 minutes, and if you're listening to the replay on demand, or in the case of this free forum class, the podcast, it won't matter to you, but lots of folks like to tune in live, and we have bumped it up effective today by three hours, from 20 hours universal to 17. So it's 10 a.m. here on the West Coast. This is to make room for our live public seminar for those of you in Southern California and the link to the flyer for the class has been in the newsletter for the last couple of weeks. I'll also be announcing today a series of classes in 13-week quarters. You get a nice instant rebate when you sign up for all 13. Very affordable, 195 and that's $15 per class. Real affordable, I think, very, very good price. I'm happy to be able to do that. So imagine 13 classes every other Sunday. So it'll take about, well, to the end of January to go through those 13 two-hour classes. And with a $65 instant rebate, the fee would go from 20 a class down to 15 per class. So I think that's a real good deal. And it begins two Sundays from today, which would be August 4th. So if you're in the Southern California area, hope you'll consider coming by to one of those every once in a while, perhaps, or to enjoy the instant rebate of $65 and sign up for all 13. And then in February, we'll start the cycle over again every other Sunday. I think once a week is a little too often and once a month not quite often enough. So this is our public seminar series in Southern California, and we continue, however, to be online, live with these webinars at the new time, 10 a.m., and uh, that's, of course, Pacific time. So today's topic is thoughts and feelings, the differences between your mental and emotional nature, between reasoning and affect. And in the premium training, we're going to include a program from our archives at our sister site, focusedpassion.com, that we called, when we did it a few years ago, the inner dance of thoughts and feelings. And these programs feature me and my business partner of 35 plus years, Steve Snyder. So beginning in about 25 minutes, we'll have the premium training for those who are enrolled. And if you're not yet enrolled, you can do that for the live online webinar beginning at 10.30 a.m. Pacific or the replay on demand. And the URL and the password you need will be on the thank you page when you enroll and you'll get an email confirmation. Simply go to theagelesswisdom.com and click on the enter button to go inside, and then 
on premium webinars, and you'll be able to use your bank card, credit, debit card, ATM card, whatever, to sign up, as they say, for a single class, a 13-week quarter, or a full year. That's for the online class. Now, the inner dance of thoughts and feelings, what are some of the differences between your mental and emotional nature? Well, I think, first of all, we're all pretty familiar with our ability to think, to reason, to solve problems and make decisions. We've gone to school. Some of us have finished high school. Some of us have gone on to college and university. Some have advanced degrees. And whatever your level of schooling, you've been taught to use your ability to think, to be rational, to be reasonable, to be logical. It's basically a deductive thought process of going from general to specific by eliminating what you know you do not want. This is the vast majority of reasoning that humans do. They eliminate what they do not want and break things down from general to specific into little tiny bite-sized pieces, if you will. In fact, food's always a good allegory. Ordering from a menu is an eminently logical task. You may involve your emotional nature in asking yourself what you feel like eating, but eventually most of us go to the menu to see what's available. A set of possibilities, a universe of limited choice. And what do we do? We logically eliminate what we do not want. So, well, it's a little late in the day, so breakfast is out. You just ignore that whole section. Now we've narrowed it down. And you say, well, I'm really hungry. I'm going to skip lunch and go right to dinner. All right? So we're down to dinner, having eliminated the first two. And then, again, you say, well, I don't really uh, want meat, so that eliminates most of these. I'm sort of in a mood for some seafood, so... Let's look at what they have there, and you break it down and narrow it down. This is how logic works. It is deductive by nature. There is such a thing as inductive logic, but it's rather arcane and actually dangerous when you extrapolate based on a limited set of data. For example, the classic example from... I remember college from my philosophy class for inductive rather than deductive logic was if every crow I have ever seen is entirely black, then all crows must be black. Sort of an if-then kind of postulate. Well, if you've seen millions of crows and you've done studies where other people have looked at crows and nobody's ever found one that's not entirely black, you're pretty safe in making that inductive, logical supposition. But if you've only seen a half a dozen crows in your whole life, to then presume that you can extrapolate that to all crows can be pretty risky. So that's the problem with inductive logic. It often passes as little more than a generalization or a stereotype 
people like to pull on anecdotal evidence and then blow that up to fit the whole universe of possibilities. And so that's not really a strong form of logic. Most logic, 98% or more, is deductive in nature, general to specific. Emotions, on the other hand, are real good and reliable when it comes to the complement to that, which is specific to general. We have a number of observed particulars or specifics. How do we arrive at a recognition or realization of the overarching umbrella concept that explains, or the thread, if you will, that runs through all of these little bits and pieces. Well, that's basically intuitive in nature, and where stress management and feeling safe and relaxed, taking a few slow, deep breaths and allowing your mind to quiet and your emotional nature to calm down and you wait for the insight to bubble up and burst into your awareness as a kind of illumination a coming of light and aha experience oh I see what connects all of these and tragically this is not taught by most teachers in most schools I'm sure there are some exceptions but by and large only the mental nature and its deductive logic and reasoning, problem-solving and decision-making is emphasized. Emotional intelligence, especially this idea of realizing the overarching concept going from specific to general in the other direction and developing one's intuition as a form of emotional intelligence, this is still by and large ignored although in the last 15 years or so, it's growing, thanks largely to those people like Daniel Goldman and there's a Professor Baran out of the Midwest who's done a lot of work on emotional intelligence and what's called SEL, or Social Emotional Learning, is beginning to gain favor in many school systems, private, charter, public, and so on. So that's all good. An emotion is a very different form of intelligence, sometimes called an affect, like the word affect, only with an A. An emotional affect is a feeling. We experience thoughts as being pretty much confined to the brain inside your head. Some people will even touch their forehead or grab their chin when they think even scratch the top of their heads while they're thinking. Feelings, however, emotional affect is experienced below the shoulders, usually below the rib cage, somewhere in the belly or the solar plexus. The more negative the feeling is, the lower it tends to be in the body, down toward the base of the spine, especially fear, anger, hatred goes all the way down to the base of the spine. The more positive an emotional feeling, the more it aspires to the heart and may be felt in the stomach or, again, higher, moving toward the heart as it becomes more loving, more caring, kinder, more merciful and compassionate. And so there is a little hierarchy, if you will, within 
the center of your body where you feel your feelings. Now, some women and many men have very little understanding of this. The men in particular, because we've been socialized and conditioned as little boys by dad and even in many cases by mom, to believe that our emotional feelings are a weakness. Then we end up, many of us, being afraid of this extraordinary intuitive power that women have to know things in ways that we find so mysterious. And in conversation, while men are very logical and want to fix things, women would rather talk about it. These, of course, are generalizations. The ideal situation is for both men and women, of course, to draw upon both mental logic, reasoning, rational thought, and our emotional nature in honor of the two. There are five distinctions we're going to talk about in detail today, actually six, come to think of it, six distinctions that we'll cover in detail in the premium training coming up in about 15 minutes. And I'd like to run over those real quickly for you here in the free forum. The first is the most obvious, and that's that thoughts or reasoning are a mental process. And again, associated with the brain and the head, where your emotional affect is felt in the body, a physical sensation, and feeling safe and relaxed really promotes the experience of being aware of your emotional feeling. So thoughts are reasons, emotions are affect, are feelings experienced in the body. The second distinction between thoughts and your emotions are that thoughts are largely objective while emotions are essentially subjective. What does that mean? Well, your objective nature is concerned with objects in the world around you and tends to ignore the self. You believe that you're looking at a balanced view of the world, like a TV camera, seeing reality in the same way as everybody else. If the person is sitting next to you at the ball game or on the beach watching the sun go down, is experiencing the same ball game and the same sunset, why wouldn't they have exactly the same thoughts? Well, if you think about it, even though objectively we're having the same experience, our thoughts are going to be different. But by and large, about the nature of the ball game or the sunset or being stuck in rush hour traffic, we tend mentally to concern ourselves with the world around us. Whereas the emotional nature, being subjective, is about the subject, and that's you. In other words, emotions are very personal. If thoughts are about the external world, emotions tend to be about the internal world. And it's interesting when people encounter each other, you don't say, hey, what have you been thinking? We say, how you been feeling? You know, how you doing? How do you feel? What's going on? We're asking people about their personal experience of life. We don't say, what have you been thinking? Maybe what are you up to, what have you been doing? But how do you feel is much more popular than a penny for your thoughts. 
you know. <laughs> the third distinction is that thoughts are often conflicting. Uh, you have opposite thoughts or contradictory thoughts at the same time. This is very common, just the confusion of our mental nature. And thoughts very easily yield to other influences. So these distractions are common. The mental nature is often described by people who meditate as a monkey mind. Or I remember the old Kung Fu TV show about Cain being the little boy in the seminary studying martial arts and yoga and and ancient Eastern philosophies. And because he had an untrained mind as a little boy, they called him grasshopper because the mind, by its nature, like a grasshopper, jumps. And we are easily distracted. The more stressed we are, the more easily distracted we are. Emotions, on the other hand, are much more durable and much more tenacious. And so often, while your thoughts are jumping all over the place, your feelings are rather persistent. Now, feelings do change. Nothing really lasts in this world. It's just that, generally, emotions can be and often are much more durable and tenacious than the mental nature. The fourth distinction we'll talk about in detail is that thoughts tend to be factual. They're about the time and the place, that is, the when and the where of things, as well as the who and the what and the how. You could also describe how is by what means. Emotions, on the other hand, are less factual than motivational. Emotions are the why of things. I sometimes think about sports announcers. They usually come in pairs where one will do the play-by-play and the other will do the color. One is very factual and say, here's the wind-up in the pitch. Strike three, you're out of there. And the color announcer is going, yeah, well, Bill Hales from St. Louis, Missouri. And as a boy, he played in high school for his dad. And that's like thoughts and feelings where the play-by-play announcer corresponds to the factual mental nature of thinking and the color guy corresponds to the emotional nature, which is much more about the why or the motives. The fifth distinction, thoughts as decisions, are sort of like the steering wheel of a car. They determine our direction. Which way are you going? Why don't you make a decision and decide what you want? We've got a problem to solve, a goal to set. Use your thoughts to make that decision. Emotions play a role in decision-making, of course, but in this distinction, emotions are less part of the steering wheel mechanism, and more like the brake and the accelerator, your fear-based emotional feelings are like standing on the brake, where your positive enthusiasm and zeal and perseverance and determination, your optimism, is the accelerator and the engine. So thoughts are the steering wheel, As decisions, they determine the direction that you point it in, or as emotions are the brake or the accelerator and the engine under the hood. And six is probably the most startling, which is 
thoughts can be wrong. Well, that part's not so startling. We've all taken tests and thought we had the right answer on this one, and oh gosh, number 18, I really was sure I had that one right. Nope, turns out it was wrong. Sometimes, even in a test, as well as the real world, there's more than one right answer, and we're looking for the best right answer, right? Emotions, and this is really the startling, I think, the concept that you want to reflect on. Emotions are never wrong. And people argue with me on this all the time because they're confusing the emotion, which is really never wrong, could not be wrong, a feeling in your body. They confuse it with the assumptions that we make when we think about emotions. You see, to think about an emotion which arrives without reasoning, emotions just occur spontaneously, sometimes there's a reason for why you feel the way you do, but often you have a feeling that you cannot account for. There's no reason to it. So to try to use the mental nature, your reasoning, to understand an emotion is often a very frustrating enterprise. Again, we need to use intuition. And uh, that process of illumination or an epiphany, a revelation or inspiration where thoughts arrive full-blown, they just bubble up and burst into your awareness, a process we can promote with relaxation and training the mind. But understand that the actual feeling in the body, whether it's an emotional feeling, listen carefully, or a physical feeling, a symptom, a sensation, pain or pleasure, it's not wrong. You've never had a physical feeling in your body that you dismissed as wrong. If you have a headache, you accept there's something wrong. I've got a headache. You don't say, well, maybe the feeling is wrong unless it's an emotional feeling. And then the mind thinks it's so smart and says, well, you shouldn't feel that way. There's no reason to feel that way. Well, I'm sorry. That's the way I feel. And whether there's a reason or not, it has intelligence and understanding hidden behind it that needs to be discerned. And so we have to learn to use emotional intelligence, our intuition and imagination, stress management, letting go of muscular tension, breathing, feeling safe and relaxed, to promote an intuitive awareness of what emotions mean, and then integrate that with the logic of the mental nature and our thinking. Does that make sense? Well, that's about all the time we have. You may want to do a little meditation and reflect on those six points. I'd love for you to join us in the premium training. Uh, again, we're just about four minutes away, so I'm going to go over there now. To get the URL and the password to listen live or to the replay on demand, simply enroll at theagelesswisdom.com. The W's dot theagelesswisdom.com. Click on the enter button to go inside and then choose on the left. You'll see the navigation links. Choose premium training and you can enroll with your bank card. See you over there in a little while. And if not, we'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, for those in Southern California, I'll see you this afternoon at 1 o'clock at 
body and soul in La Crescenta, California. And as always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. So long from L.A.